The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. How in the world did we get where we are today? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. How many times have I said, hey, I'm not exaggerating. These are urgent times. These are urgent warnings. Well, today is another one of those days. I am not exaggerating. There is a reason we are sounding the alarm. The good news is there's something we can do about it. The bad news is the hour is late. Welcome, friends, to the Line of Fire broadcast. This is Michael Brown. The number is always to call 866-34-TRUTH. 866-348-7884. I had a very interesting few days leading up to the broadcast today. I'll I'll tell you about that a little later in the show. But first, I want to take you to a scene from Canada. And let me set it up for you. Ezra Levant, journalist in Canada, conservative, uh, leader of rebel media, has been banned on various platforms because of his media outlet being contrary to the PC spirit, challenging the standard narratives, and things are very oppressive in Canada. They're bad in America in many ways, certainly it's worse in America, but in other ways, in other settings, worse in Canada, and there is a smaller church that is less vocal, so there's even less pushback. Uh, Ezra Levant posted this. Now, if you're, if you're only listening, if you can't be watching on Ask Dr. Brown or YouTube, or if you're not watching on, on Dish TV or Pluto, if you're just listening, uh, you'll, you'll hear this. The sounds are disturbing. If you're watching, you will see 200 policemen with gas masks on gathering uh, around some building. What is going on? What is so dangerous? What is happening? Let's, let's play the clip. Now the shock troops are coming. They have gas masks, so they're getting ready for uh, pepper spray. Communists need protection from churches. 200 cops Communists now. Communists and Nazis yeah. need to be protected from churches. Helicopters. They're on the wrong side. So we're at close to 200 cops now, Uh, gas masks, visors and stuff. Gas masks for gas, 200 cops and a helicopter, 40 vehicles for one church. One church decided to open their doors, decided to hold services, violating Canadian law right now because of COVID. They said, we are going to open our church for services. That was the response. If you thought you would never see something like that happen, it's, it's not like they were committing some crime in the building. It, it, it's not like they were manufacturing and sending out kitty porn videos, some horrific, ugly, despicable thing. It's, it's not like they were putting out racist literature calling for a violent overthrow of the government. They were gathering to worship God and preach about Jesus. You say, yeah, but COVID concerns. 
there's constant debate about what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, what's safe, what's not safe. And you could make a constant argument for the religious liberty to gather together. But that's the response. Hey, the policemen were doing what they were ordered to do. I'm simply saying this is utterly outrageous and shocking, and we must call attention to it. We must draw attention to it. We must talk about it. We must say these things are happening. We honor authority, we respect authority, but when the authorities tell us to disobey God, with all respect to the authority, we say, sorry, but we must obey God rather than man. You find virtue of those very words in Acts 4 and Acts 5 when the apostles did those very things. My policy with COVID is love my neighbors myself. My policy with COVID is to be of honoring wherever I can in any situation. So I go into the store, you you put the mask on, on the plane, but you're obviously not going to fly without the mask. Whatever the protocol is, if I go and speak, whatever the protocol is, I follow it. And I want to send a message to those around me that if you feel it's important for me to wear the mask, I still don't know the science and what works and what doesn't work and where we are and herd immunity and all that. I don't know any of that with definity, be, uh, with, with definity, with, with a, <laughs> I made up a new word there, uh, joining together infinity and definite. I, I, I don't know for sure what works, what doesn't work. Vaccine. You know, it's, the science is constant debate. But if I'm asked to do it, then I'm going to do it for the sake of others unless it's a direct infringement on my own personal rights or personal liberties in a way that is intolerable, that's where a line is drawn. Okay, so Supreme Court decision in the states. Uh, It was positive in that, yet again, the courts have ruled against draconian laws in California. Because California, in limited settings, you go to you go to a store, right? Go to a hardware store, a grocery store, go there, do that, right? You can gather together, you know, restaurants, limited seating, different things like that. But if you want to have a home religious gathering, you couldn't. You couldn't do that. So this meant its way to the Supreme Court, overruling once again the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and said, yes, you can gather in your homes. How is it that you can gather in a hardware store? A bunch of people can be in a hardware store, a bunch of people can be in a restaurant, but you can't gather in your homes. How can that possibly be? This is discrimination against religion. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the churches that said, hey, we, we want to have house meetings, and, and, and California's trying to stop us. But here's the problem. Here's the negative side. The ruling was 5-4. The ruling was not 9-0. The ruling was 5-4. And, and Chief Justice Roberts sided with the three liberal justices and, and, and uh, the justice who wrote the, the uh, opinion, Justice Sotomayor, said, hey, look, you know, you don't treat apples the same way you treat watermelons. And there's a difference between a hardware store and a restaurant and a religious gathering in a home. Wow. That's concerning. Yeah, it's good news that, that it was a victory. It's bad news that it was 5-4. And it's even worse news to see some of the logic involved. Now, this is not where we're going to focus our attention today. There are a bunch of other things I want to talk to you about interesting attack from CNN and the ADL against Tucker Carlson and Fox News. I think you'll find that interesting regardless of your political perspective. I'm going to talk about how, shockingly enough, incest, consensual adult incest is back in the news. And further questions about the redefining of marriage. And that's the question I asked at the outset of the broadcast. How do we get where we are today? But Before we get into any of that, uh, let's 
focus on this. There is a new Marvel comic book, and it has a villain character, an arch-villain, who is an uh, extreme Nazi, and it seems that this villain is now patterned after Professor Jordan Peterson, one of the best-known conservative intellectuals on the planet today. And what makes it even more striking is the man who wrote the comics. So check out this interview. It's a podcast in Jordan Peterson. Dr. Peterson is being asked about this. What's the story with you and Red Skull? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I came across this last week and, and someone tweeted me this, this cartoon, this comic, Captain America comic. And I saw this screenshot of Red Skull looking at a computer screen and it said, 10 rules for life. That was one text box. It said order and chaos. And there was a couple of other boxes. And I thought, well, that seems to be making a reference to my work. I mean, 10 rules for life is pretty close to 12 rules for life. And of course, the main themes I discuss are order and chaos. Um, I mean, one book is about order and the other is about chaos. And my first book is about both. So as a joke, you know, associating my ideas with this arch villain, magic, super Nazi, Red Skull. And then as I looked into it more deeply, and as people sent me more information, it became clear that at least some of the inspiration for this Red Skull character in this Captain America uh, variant was, appeared to be targeting, let's say, or satirizing or warning about uh, my ideas. And so I've been playing with that ever since, I suppose, on Twitter. Uh, people are producing memes now of Red Skull superimposed upon the picture of him, things I've actually said instead of the hypothetical things that the people who don't like me wish I said and then purposefully misinterpret. And so that's that. And uh, it's I'm trying to make it into something playful. So that's Jordan Peterson. He came to international prominence as a professor, clinical psychologist, University of Toronto in Canada, when Canada was passing laws that would basically enforce speech and say you must address someone who identifies as trans using these pronouns, etc. And he protested against it and said, hey, I'm not going to submit to this. He'd studied communism for years. He knew about enforced speech. And he said, no, not on my watch. And if, if you tell me I have to, I won't. If you put me in jail, I'll go on a hunger strike. I mean, he was just adamant about it. Next thing, he becomes internationally known. His book, 12 Rules for Life, becomes an international bestseller. He's not one to back down. This, this is just evil. This is just vile. This is just ridiculous. You've got a brilliant man who can brilliantly defend his ideas, and he's going to be made into some white supremacist evil Nazi. Right, there's a little bit more. Back to Jordan Peterson. It's so absurd. It shocked me to begin with. I couldn't believe it to begin with, it, especially when I found out who the author of the comic book was. So, um, you know, he's an intellectual figure among the leftist community, uh, relatively well-known um, and politically correct. And uh, I, I didn't expect it. it. It really threw me for a loop to begin with. I mean, it's really something to see yourself portrayed, let's say, parodied satirized um, as a, I've been called a Nazi before, it's not pleasant, but this is 
one step beyond that. I mean, Nazi apparently isn't enough. I have to be a magical super Nazi. <laughs> and, you know, by implication. Well, really, it's so, it's so, it's so surreal and absurd that, that I couldn't believe it to begin with. Yeah, what, what makes it more absurd, or uh, ab- absurd, as Dr. Peterson would say, and, and again, he's not one to sit back, so he's going he's gonna to utilize this and turn this around to expose things and get a message out. But the author of the comic book was, was Ta-Nehisi Coates, influential African-American journalist and author, uh, one often addressing issues of white supremacy and things like that. So he's, he's a known journalist, a thinker. And for him to put this out, I mean, what in the world? Does this not expose how radical and extreme the, the politicized spirit of the left really is to try to turn Dr. Jordan Peterson into an evil Nazi? All right, just getting started. 866-34-TRUTH. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. There is a reason... We have been sounding the alarm for many years about the direction of the culture. Look, I've said before, you could put me in any generation, and I'm sure my message would be repent. In other words, it's it's part of my calling. It's part of who I am. It's part of the burden that I carry to help wake up the sleeping church and help warn about the moral deterioration in society while pointing us to the Lord as the solution, as the one who can bring about positive change. So I'm always sounding a message of hope and optimism in the midst of the, the warning. But, but there's a reason for the warnings, and things are dire, and things are getting worse, and they could get really, really bad. Now, now look, I'm, I'm not just cherry-picking. I'm not finding some extreme. Uh, I am, I'm talking about things that little by little by little, there is an attempt to normalize. Look, how many shows, TV shows, in recent years celebrated polygamy from what big love to my five wives and and other shows and i noticed that while these shows were airing on tv various cable networks and things like that but some of them i think were very popular or popular enough to have multiple seasons that if you look at a gallup poll that acceptance of polygamy in america went from seven percent to 14 percent over a period of a few years how that happened? Well, take an educated guess. The media bombardment, the redefining of marriage, the reality of the slippery slope. People mock it as they're careening down the slope. There is no slippery slope. Or they justify it. Hey, what's wrong with this? Either way, it's further proof of the slippery slope. So check out this headline from the New York Post. This is just April 10th. All right. New York parent seeks okay to marry their own adult child. Yep. New York parent seeks okay to marry their own adult child. Now, according to the lawsuit, they will be diminished as human beings if they can't marry. You say everybody understands that even consensual adult incest is unsafe because you could have children and there's a high percentage of possibility that there'll be a genetic defect. Oh, no, no. They want to make clear that they can't procreate. 
So, and they even have an acronym about parents and the children, you know, who are non-procreative, wanted to marry and whatever. So, so here's the point. It's either a father and son or a mother and daughter, right? A same sex couple, or the mother or father are too old to have children or unable to biologically for some reason, or, or the child in question is unable biologically. Either way, they say they can't procreate. So there goes that objection. You say, well, it's just wrong. Well, that's what we said about same-sex marriage. That's just wrong. So it's got to be more than that. So anyway, let, let, I want you to understand why I've been sounding the alarm about this for all. Let's go back to 2007. 2007, Time Magazine, all right? And, and, and look at this. April 5th, 2007, should incest be legal? Shall I repeat this? Time Magazine. This is when time had a lot of influence. Should incest be legal? April 5th, 2007. Let me read the opening two paragraphs to you. When the Supreme Court struck down Texas's law against sodomy in the summer of 2003, in the landmark gay rights case of Lawrence v. Texas, where they found sodomy to be a civil right somehow, a constitutional right, critics warned that its sweeping support of a powerful doctrine of privacy could lead to challenges of state laws that forbade such things as gay marriage and bigamy. 2007! Now, this is a quote from Justice Antonin Scalia. State laws against bigamy, same-sex marriage, adult incest, prostitution, masturbation, adultery, fornication, bestiality, and obscenity are called into question by today's decision. Time Magazine references it as a withering dissent. And he, he read it aloud, page by page, from the bench. Now, obviously, masturbation would be in a different set of lists here from incest, prostitution, all of these things involving someone else, but a withering warning nonetheless. So Time Magazine continues, it turns out the critics were right. Did you get that? It turns out the critics were right. Plaintiffs have made the decision, the centerpiece of attempts to defeat state bans, on the sale of sex toys in Alabama, polygamy in Utah, and adoption by gay couples in Florida. So far, the challenges have been unsuccessful. The plaintiffs are still trying, even using Lawrence to challenge laws against incest. Okay, done with that. That was 2007. Should incest be legal? The question was being asked. It continues to be asked. So in 2010, let's look at this article from the Village Voice ultra-liberal New York publication, December 16th, 2010. It starts by telling us this. David Epstein, the Columbia University political science professor, accused of having a consensual three-year-long affair with his 24-year-old daughter, is back in the news with the recent statement from his lawyer, Matthew Galuzzo, that incest is not all that different from homosexuality. Quote, academically, we are obviously all morally opposed to incest and rightfully so. At the same time, There is an arrangement to be made in the Swiss case to let go what goes on privately in bedrooms. And he said this, it's okay for homosexuals to do whatever they want in their own home. How is this so different? We have to figure out why some behavior is tolerated and some is not. Friends, when that event came down and students at Columbia University found out what had been going on with their professor and his adult daughter, 
Many of them just posting on internet forums said, well, they're consenting adults. What's wrong with it? Hey, love is love. Why not? Love wins. You have the right to marry the one you love. Why not? This is the illogic behind this. This is what happens when you can say, hey, marriage does not need a man or a woman. It could be two men. It could be two women. You have now fundamentally redefined the institute. Why not three men or three women or two men? And why not? These questions are being asked. And, and one of the polygamy reality TV shows had some of their cast members in Utah going to court to say, it is, it is unconstitutional for you to ban polygamy. And some of the restrictions were actually removed through the court case. Now, not fully, but partially. This is what's going on in our society. Now, look, when I say I've been sounding the alarm, let me give you some examples, okay? Oh, let's see. Okay, go back to September 14th, 2012. I wrote this article. Here comes incest just as predicted. September 14th, 2012. And, and I referred there to what's called GSA, genetic sexual attraction. Maybe family members separated from birth and now reunited and they, have, they don't even know their family. They have this intense attraction one towards another. That's documented along with cases in other countries. Then I posted this one, July 23rd, 2014. Next stop on Slippery Slope, incest. And there I added a surprising statement from, from a judge in Australia along with illustrations from latest celebration of incest in pop culture. Then I posted this one, October 27th, 2015. Why can't two gay brothers marry? So this was October 27th, 2015. I was citing a pro-incest argument from a gay politician in Ireland. This is why can't first cousins marry? He was raising that argument, just getting closer and closer. Uh, then January 27th, 2016, uh, legalizing adult incest. Here we go again with further cultural updates. Uh, in my 2015 book, Outlasting the Gay Revolution, I, I cited the latest examples of, of the media celebration of adult consensual incest. So example after example after example, from MTV to HBO to major hit movies, one example after another, after another, the Game of Thrones and all this incestuous relationships, <clears throat> you'd have to be willingly blind to not see these things. You'd have to be willingly sticking your head in the sand to not recognize the dangerous direction of these trends. So back, was it 2014? I think it was 2014. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's when it was, just looking at an article I wrote on this. By the way, you, you read all this in my article about why can't an adult marry an adult uh, why can't a parent marry an adult child? It said AskDrBrown.org. You can read it over at Stream.org or elsewhere. But it's 2014. There was a, a new website called Debate Out. It quickly was gone. Uh, it was, I don't know how many months it was up, but when I went back to, to grab some of the info from it, it was, it was gone. Website was gone. Within a year, maybe? Anyway, I was asked to be part of a debate where I would be interviewed, turned out by a lesbian, liberal correspondent, whoever she was. Uh, she interviewed me and then four others on the question, should consensual adult incest be legal? So I said no very plainly, and I cited G.K. Chesterton, who said, to paraphrase, you don't take a fence down until you realize why the fence is up. There's a reason that we have prohibitions against this. This must be a societal taboo 
that no one can even think sexually or romantically about a family member. There's just a wall that has to be there. Out of the five participants on this debate, I was the only one who said it should be illegal. Two of them said, hey, love is love, consensual adult relations, whatever they want. Two others said, we don't like it, but this is not up to the government to tell us what we can and can't do. And when I raised the argument about don't take offense down until you know why it is put up, the interviewer said, well, that's fascinating. I never thought of that. No one else raised it. I said, no one else raised the issue of you need to have a wall around this. There needs to be a taboo. It needs to just be understood throughout society that this is not a line anyone can even possibly cross. I mean, in 99.9% of families, no one's thinking of crossing the line. But if anyone is thinking, no, these lines cannot be crossed. We're in the mess we're in today, friends, because marriage has been tampered with. Oh, and by the way, some of the blame falls back on us conservative Christians for no-fault divorce in our churches. We've helped destroy the meaning and integrity of marriage. Much stay here. God of light, hear our cry. Send the fire. It's the line of fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I want to give you the opportunity to respond to a Twitter poll that I did. Here's the number to call. This is not to come on live, but this is to give your response. 1-800-618-8480. 1-800-618-8480. You can call in and give a brief response. Oh, this you'll be able to give in 30 seconds or less, certainly under a minute. But I want you to weigh in with your opinion, where you stand, and why. 1-800-618-8480. So here's, here's a poll I did on Twitter. Just, just curious about this. I said, there's no doubt that the cultural and political divide is as divided and intense as ever. A little redundant, divide, divided. But there's no doubt that the cultural and political divide is as divided and intense as ever. But does daily life seem less contentious since Trump has been out of office? Or is this just my perspective as an op-ed writer and cultural commentator? So uh, out of the 682 votes that we got when we posted this on Twitter, 37.4% uh, said less contentious. 37% said it's just my perspective. 25.7% said hard to say either way. Now, some of the responses said less contentious, but that's because you don't have Trump calling out what's wrong and standing against it all the time. And others would say, well, less contentious because Trump just kind of muddied the waters all the time, where there was just everything was just constant. You, you ever be around somebody that's like, you just, there's always a battle, there's always, it's just a drain, something's going, just a problem. And that would be the negative take. And then others, hey, you know, it's, just my perspective because I'm not interacting with as much of the intensity of it all the time when I'm dealing with political and cultural issues. But curious to get your take. Again, this is not to come on the air, but just to give your viewpoint. 1-800-618-8480. Okay. When I was part of a debate on a defunct website that was called debateout.com as left-wing, liberal, pro-LGBTQ, as you could imagine. It was one of five debating the question, should adult consensual incest be legal? I remember 
when the young lady called to interview me, very friendly and, and 100% honest. In other words, there's nothing misleading. They weren't trying to trap me in my words. They said, here's the way the debate goes. We just ask everyone the same questions and post the answers. And everyone just reads. So that's what it was. In other words, I don't get to dispute so much what someone else says. You know, maybe I'll have a hint of what we're interacting with or what their position was so that we could we could critique one another. But otherwise, it's just everything posted. It's exactly as advertised. That's what they did. So it was total integrity there. But I remember when I got the call that this young lady said, as you know, this is a hot topic today. Seven years ago. As you know, this is a hot topic today. Now, we also know logic and then statistics will back this, that when you have mixed families, that you have a higher percentage of sexual abuse. Why? Well, self-evident. Here you're a dad and you're raising, say, three daughters and a son. It never occurs to you to look at your daughters in a sexual way. They're your daughters. You've raised them from birth. You change their diapers. You watch them grow. Now you're amazed that they're young women. It's like, wow, you're going to be married. This is unbelievable. But that's always your daughter. That's just how you see her. You, you can't conceive of her in a different way. On the other hand, if you, let's say, uh, marry a woman and she's got three daughters, 17, 15, and 13, all of them very attractive, very mature looking, and, and, and then a boy, nine, right? and you're a typical heterosexual male, well, you see them a little differently. Oh, they're still your daughters and the vast, 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 vast majority of stepfathers are not going to look at their, their, their daughters, stepdaughters sexually, but there's a, a better chance of it. You understand? There's, there's a, because you haven't, you haven't grown up with them. You haven't seen them from infanthood, infanthood up, so you're just seeing them as now these, these attractive teenagers. That's why you have one reason why you have more abuse, and then there could be more instability in the relationship. So there are all kinds of other factors. But <clears throat> when she said to me, 2014, as you know, this is a hot topic. It's no surprise that these things keep coming up. There are European countries that have dropped their prohibitions of incest, they dropped the laws. There is a, a much discussed case in Germany with a couple separated from birth only to find out many, many years later that they were brother and sister. They met, had this intense love one for another, you know, so much in common, and then insisted on getting married, having children, at least one or two of the, I think they may have had four genetic defects. The children take them away. The husband went to prison. His attorney said, we're going to fight. This is for love. It's a very, very sad case. They obviously really love each other. And it's a, it's a tragic case, a tragic for the children involved. But you, can, you cannot cross certain lines. They're there for a reason. And when I talk to, to gay activists who, who are professing gay Christians, and they said, hey, look, we should have the right to marry whoever we want, and then the Bible does not oppose loving consensual relationships, you just have to ask, okay, what about two adult brothers? And if you're going to throw out Leviticus 18, when it, when it comes to the prohibition against homosexual practice, you're going to also throw it out when it comes to the prohibition against all these incestuous relationships. And this is unpleasant to talk about. This is the world we live in, friends. These are the direct results of the slippery slope. You can mock me all, all you want, but we've been saying it was going in this direction for years. 
You can mock me when we warned that same-sex quote marriage was coming. And now that's the norm. If you don't agree with it, you're a bigot. That's six years back, that decision. Friends, it remains urgent wake-up time. Wake up to reality. So one one of the things that I raised to this young lady that was interviewing me, again, very, very pleasant, was not setting me up for anything. Everything was as advertised on the website, and then the website disappeared. And I searched for things, everything just scrubbed, gone. But I, I said, look, G.K. Chesterton said this, you, you don't take down a fence until you realize why it was put up. There are reasons we have certain prohibitions. There are reasons. Look, children don't see certain things. The parents have to say, that's the way it is. Then as the kids get old, it's like, oh, there's a reason. So there was a, a blog on FS. I, if, if it's self-evident who wrote it, I apologize for not giving credit. It was just a blog on FS. And it was called Chesterton's Fence, A Lesson in Second Order Thinking. So I, I want to skip down a paragraph that says this, second order thinking is the practice of not just considering the consequences of our decisions, but also the consequences of those consequences. If you play chess, you know how that works. Everyone can manage first order thinking, which is just considering the immediate anticipated result of an action. It's simple and quick, usually requiring little effort. By comparison, second order thinking is more complex and time consuming. The fact that it is difficult and unusual is what makes the ability to do it such a powerful advantage. Second-order thinking will get you extraordinary results, and so will learning to recognize when other people are using second-order thinking. To understand exactly why this is the case, let's consider Chesterton's fence, described by G.K. Chesterton himself as follows. So this is the fuller version of his saying. Chesterton said there exists in such a case a certain institution or law. Let us say for the sake of simplicity, a fence or gate erected across a road. The more modern type of reformer goes gaily up to it and says, I don't see the use of this. Let us clear it away. To which the more intelligent type of reformer will do all the answer. If you don't see the use of it, I certainly won't let you clear it away. Go away and think. Then when you can come back and tell me that you do see the use of it, I may allow you to destroy it. And then that became popularized in the saying, don't take down a fence to realize why it was put up. Okay. Some years back, I was getting ready to preach at my home congregation, Fire Church in Concord, North Carolina. I was getting ready to preach there on a Sunday morning. And I was praying, I guess it was the Saturday before, praying and reflecting on which way I should go in the message, what message I should preach. And, and I hear in my ears, my, you know, my inner ears, the thought clearly comes up to a passage about go back to the, to the ancient paths. And I thought, okay, where is that verse? And then I heard a voice say to me in my head, you should know where that verse is. Now, this is my own brain speaking to me or the Holy Spirit speaking to me. But immediately I got the message, got it, Jeremiah. I wrote a commentary on the book of Jeremiah. I should know where the verse is. So I went and preached from that text, but it it was basically saying, not old-fashioned ways, not, not just our traditions, but God's ways, the things he established. 
you know, foundation stones in Israel were, were not to be moved. They were there, they were markers, boundaries. They were there for a reason. So if we go back to God's ways, I don't mean just our church traditions or our religious traditions or our family traditions, but if we go back to God's ways, God's ways are best. God's ways work. God's ways last. Uh, many of you know that last week I, I recorded uh, eight shows, eight debate shows for the new Awakening TV network, AWKNGTV.com. I recorded new shows. It's going to be called That's Debatable with Dr. Brown. Uh, eight debates we recorded in two days, and, and they're lively. I mean, it's, let's see, you got three-minute opening statement, three-minute response, two-minute rebuttal, two minutes. So you each have five minutes. Then you go one, 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 one. So you got eight total. And then 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. So another minute and a half. So you get like nine, 10 minutes and then closing statements. So it, it, it's good. I mean, you, you get a good time to go back and forth and challenge one another. And you can cover a lot of ground in the time. It's not a full, formal, intellectual debate. But some of the folks I debated, you know, transgender pastor, gay pastor, progressive Christian who says she is anti-abortion but votes pro-choice because it's going to save more babies' lives. There are a lot of things that were challenged. A lot of things that were challenged. Purity culture was challenged. This idea of sex only being for within marriage and then the shame of sex outside of wedlock and so on and so forth. And what's better for kids being raised and, and, and should they be taught you know, comprehensive sexual education or should they be taught avoidance of sexual activity outside of marriage? All these things were debated. And, and obviously, God's people can get a lot of things wrong. But God's ways are best. If we adhere to God's ways, if we live by God's ways, if we honor God's ways, he made us to thrive. He, he made us, he made our bodies, he made our minds, he, he made us to thrive. If we'll follow his ways, his ways brings, his ways bring blessing and life. We come back, um, CNN, ADL attacking Fox and Tucker Carlson. We'll talk about it. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I had a very interesting weekend. I was scheduled to be in Fort Myers, Florida yesterday, so this past Sunday. I had finished the taping shootings for Awakening TV Thursday, got home late Thursday night and came into the office Friday to do a radio show and some extra recording. I was feeling really groggy and then something was wrong. I felt like I had to throw up. It's like, what is that out of the blue? And then started to have some unusual pain and it turned out to be a kidney stone. Yes, yeah, so Nancy drove me over to the emergency room. I chatted with my doctor. He said, yeah, you got to get in, get this checked out. So that was like 12.30 at night, Friday night. Probably got home about 5 in the morning and then successfully said goodbye to that stone late on Saturday night. <laughs> at a normal Sunday, everything back to normal and, of course, normal today. But uh, we had to reschedule, move the Fort Myers trip back by one week so anyway <clears throat> just that was that um thought i'd tell you <laughs> because i i do reference it in in a recent article 
I, I wrote after that. And it's, it's a crazy thing. Uh, but the article's about Nancy and me and how we process life together, her being uh, an absolute realist and me being an extreme optimist, and how we've learned in our relationship with God and one another to process life together. But you know how close we are? A little, oh, about seven years ago, she got a, a kidney stone, first time ever. Yikes. Within a couple of months, I had my first ever. Yikes again. Well, fast forward to a few months back, she had her second kidney stone. A few months after, I had mine, so that's, that's how close we are. Yeah, it, I, I know with my diet, because I eat basically a perfectly healthy diet, an extraordinarily healthy diet by God's grace, it's just drinking more water. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on that. I'm on that. Made that adjustment. Okay. All right. Uh, Brian Stelter has been very upset with Tucker Carlson. Fox News, of course, ratings-wise, crushes CNN, and Tucker Carlson crushes the opposition or, or the other broadcasts that are on the same time that he's on. Uh, but uh, Brian Stelter and the head of the ADL Anti-Defamation League were very upset. Let's listen to what they had to say. Some people are speaking out, including my first guest here today. With me for an exclusive interview is Jonathan Greenblatt. He's the CEO and National Director of the Anti-Defamation League. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Brian. Uh, you penned a letter to Fox News Media CEO Suzanne Scott on Friday saying Carlson's been race baiting for years and it's time for him to go. Have you heard back from Fox yet? What has Fox said back to you since Friday? Well, look, it's Sunday morning. We were closed yesterday for Shabbat and we sent this out Friday afternoon. So we haven't heard anything yet. But I'll tell you why if we step back. This is so problematic. And as you pointed out, Tucker Carlson has a history of sanitizing stereotypes and of spreading this kind of poison. But what he did on Thursday night really was indeed, as you put it, a new low. The great replacement theory, as it's known, is this toxic idea that there are a cabal of Jews plotting to overrun the country with immigrants, Muslims, black people, et cetera, and commit what they call white genocide. It is literally, Brian, a staple of white supremacist and extremist ideology. Ah, all right. So this is quite an accusation against Tucker Carlson and Fox by Jonathan Greenblatt, CEO of the ADL Anti-Defamation League. Let's go a little further and find out exactly what their concerns are, exactly what Tucker Carlson allegedly did and said wrong. Let's see. And so when Tucker Carlson literally introduces it to his four and a half million viewers. He's serving as a gateway to one of the most damaging and dangerous conspiracy theories out there. And when I say that, again, let me be clear, this mm -hmm. has real consequences. From 2017, the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, where this phrase was invoked, remember, Jews will not replace us. And then Heather Heyer was mowed down and murdered to the shooting at the Pittsburgh synagogue in 2018, where 11 worshipers were killed, to the shooting the following year in Christchurch, where 51 people were killed, Muslim worshipers, to the murders in El Paso, where 20-some-odd Latino people were killed. Again and again and again, it is the replacement theory that's been invoked by these extremist murderers. So when Tucker Carlson invokes it on his show, when he dismisses it, Right. It is so dangerous. And I think, as you pointed out, the question is really from Fox management to the Fox board to Fox shareholders. 
How can they countenance their network being used to mainstream the most violent and toxic ideas? Uh, I, I find that really dishonest. I find that very, very troubling. Now, tomorrow's broadcast, I'm clearing time and space so that we can talk together on the line of fire, get your live calls about the trial in Minnesota of former officer Derek Chauvin in the death of George Floyd. We haven't talked about it yet. I've been wanting the dust to settle more, the trial to progress more. We're going to talk about it. And then another shooting, a fatal shooting of a young black man in roughly the same area uh, yesterday. Uh, so all kinds of upheaval and, and strife and concern. And, and then uh, another incident with a white officer who's now been fired for tasing or pepper spraying a, a black army officer. Uh, I'll, I'll get those details exactly right. We're going to talk about these. You know, you know on this broadcast, we never shy away from honest discussions about race issues in America. And you know that I'm very happy to take an unpopular opinion if I believe that opinion is right. And I don't mind alienating someone if it's for the truth. Oh, I care about people, but I'll stand for the truth. I'm not here to be popular and liked. I'm here to speak the truth and love, wisdom, balance. And that is something we do together because we listen to one another and we learn from one another. But what I just heard Jonathan Greenblatt do to me is, is vile. To, to bring all of those acts together, all those murders, and then to tie that in with what Tucker Carlson said, to me, that's immoral. That's unethical. And, and is utterly misleading. Uh, I'm not going to play the whole clip now from Tucker Carlson. And it's not that I just assume he's right. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't watch the show. I'll, I'll read transcripts of things sometimes or catch a video clip. But it's not like I, I, I watch Fox News every night. I, I don't. And I've said for many years there's bias on the left and there's bias on the right. And I appreciate so much of what Tucker Carlson said and other things I would differ with, differ with the spirit or tone of it, whatever. But many things, I appreciate the courage he has, and I appreciate him willing to take things on and expose a lot of the junk that's going on in the culture. So I, I went to watch the video in question to see what he actually said. He's, he's not supporting white supremacy. He's not endorsing that. He, he's, he's simply talking about a reality and a concern that... If the nation is flooded with immigrants, many of them not going through the legal process, and if they now get benefits that don't come to others, if they get vaccinated before others do, if they get job opportunities or whatever, or they are all going to vote in a certain direction, you know, someone said, what would the Democrats do if it was known that the the flood of immigrants coming across our border, many of them illegally. Of course, we, we welcome as many legal immigrants as we can as part of who America is. But if many came across illegally and it was known that the more immigrants came in, that 90 percent of them or 80 percent would vote Republican, what would the Democrats be saying about it? I, I mean, so obviously it's just a matter of whichever way this thing goes politically, you're going to take the other side. He's just talking about uh, a, real, a societal reality, something that's taking place that raises concerns. He's talking to Mark Stein. There was nothing about white supremacy. There was nothing about suppressing others. There's nothing about keep the Asians down, keep the blacks down, keep the Hispanics down, keep the Jews. No, nothing whatsoever. Let alone the idea 
that Jews were somehow behind this, that, that Jews were the ones fueling these fires, that a cabal of Jews were behind this. This is a, the, the, the replacement of whites is actually something being sponsored by Jews, American Jews, the vast majority are white themselves, are they not? <clears throat> Seems self-defeating. But it's, if you watch the clip from CNN, I thought, what did Tucker Carlson say? What did he do? Yikes. Now, just joining all of those acts of, of violence and terror together was a stretch to start, all right? You know, slaughter of Muslims in New Zealand. Yeah, I understand. Well, we don't want these foreigners here, etc. But that's not, that's not what Tucker Carlson was saying. And I, and I watched it not with the presupposition of, I'm going to defend Tucker Carlson against an attack by CNN. I thought, whoa, what did he say? Did he cross the line? You watch it. You tell me. You, you tell me who you would find more reliable. The, the CEO of, of, of the ADL and CNN or Tucker Carlson and Fox, just based on the clips in question. But, but see, here's the problem. Many people only watch CNN. Others only watch Fox, only watch MSNBC, only watch this outlet or that outlet. So what they hear is the only reality they know. And they're stewing, they're steaming over Fox and their support of white supremacy and their support of this hyper bigot Tucker Carlson who downplays mass murder. I mean, that's the picture you get. So friends, check your sources, check your sources. Look for reports on different websites. When you hear something that someone did something crazy on the left or on the right, check different news sources, the reporting, and then get to the actual facts. You know, Jesus said in a totally different context that the truth will set you free. He meant the truth of the gospel, the truth about him. Generally speaking, though, being committed to following the truth, it may be difficult, but it's liberating. Another program powered by the Truth Network.